Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Adrian. Welcome back to another episode of the Lux Unplugged podcast. On this occasion, I'm sitting down with Daniel Clements, CEO at purpose-driven startup Greenwilder. I recorded this episode back in March of this year, but decided to publish the piece later as the company was still in its gestation period, so to speak. But it has now been a few weeks since the company launched. Greenwilder is a startup with great ambitions. They want to create a new social media platform for climate enthusiasts and businesses to meet and engage with each other on climate change. That's quite a goal because one, launching a new social media channel in a very competitive world is tough enough. And two, Enlightening the wider population on this topic is essential for the future, but can also be very divisive. A few days before releasing this episode, I had the opportunity to catch up offline with Daniel on the latest news. Essentially, since recording this conversation, Greenwilder has teamed up with two major sponsor partners. On the one hand, Cactus, a leading supermarket chain in Luxembourg, and on the other, Spurkis, a top Luxembourg bank, which is leading the way in terms of sustainable finance. But now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Daniel Clements. CEO at purpose-driven startup Greenwilder. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Before we kick off this conversation about Greenwilder and your role in it, we have a very established tradition on the Luxembourg podcast. So before we do kick off, can you please introduce yourself to the Luxembourg audience? Sure thing. My name is Daniel. I am the CEO of Greenwilder and I am a big fan of the show, actually. Well, thank you very much. It's always good to have support, not only from the audience, but also from our from our guests and especially new ones. So yes, yeah, so you, as you were just saying, you see of uh, Greenwilder, but before you joined the company, what's, what was the kind of journey that you went through? What were the, the I, I tend to ask, the key lessons that you brought with you when or after becoming CEO of the company? Right. So I've been, I've been living in Luxembourg for the last 10 years. I've been in the IT telco industry my entire, my entire career. I moved to Luxembourg to start to work for a, we shouldn't, do any advertising, but it's a very large British telco that's works on a global basis. And I've worked both in kind of the, the, the startup world and the, the, the big corporate world. But most recently I've been more focusing on the, on the startup world. And to you, what was the difference between, as you said, being part of a, of a big telco, which is, I wouldn't say utility, but very heavy process driven companies versus now more and more entering the, uh, the startup world. So how was your, how was your, your experience, your perception of this, of this transition? I think, I mean, there are pros and cons to, to, to both worlds, if we can say that. I think the, the, there's a massive stability to the, to the big corp world and they are very, big corps can be super, super efficient when it comes to, you know, target setting, driving projects and all of this. They tend to perhaps not be as agile and and uh, fast, which is certainly a trademark of the of the startup world. Things happen in a super fast way in the startup world, and you need to you know adapt your strategy and you adapt your ways of working quite quickly when you're running a startup or when you're working for a startup. It's way more dynamic. It's it's um, you know perhaps not as as stable as working for the big corp corp world, but it's it's very very fun. I can tell you that. I'm in, in a startup myself, and I, I jumped from the from the big bank before being part of this this business. So I can only empathise in that in that sense. But now actually, well, so moving to Greenwell, though, so this this very early stage company that that we want to extensively talk about. So yeah, before before we discuss in more detail 
what exactly you guys are doing because there's there's I believe lots of things to discuss. Yep. As a you know, just for the benefit of the audience, what's the vision behind it? What are you guys are trying to achieve with this idea? So, uh, Green Boiler is very much a what we call like a, a like a pure purpose driven company and a purpose driven startup. And I think the background to to Green Boiler is that I think the biggest the biggest threat to mankind these days is climate change. And even though people might disagree on on the cause of it, the the effects of it are quite clear. It's the it's the biggest threat to mankind. The the human existence has ever seen. And there are kind of, there are two ways to solve this. One will be through legislative uh, efforts and the other is through community because we all need to change our ways if we're going to uh, pull through. Now, the best way to build a community and work through community has been, let's say over the last 10 or 15 years has been through social media and the big social media platforms. They have been absolutely, you know, comparable to none in terms of building that kind of network. but what we've seen recently on on social media platforms is that there is this massive kind of distrust and erosion of trust in them. There are you know privacy scandals, uh, data leaks, and all of this. And the the what Green World wants to do, our vision is to really to provide a path for people to live a more sustainable life. And we do this by launching a a social media platform where we can kind of regain the trust of of, of users. Yes, yeah, so I, I I do agree the. Well, mankind is facing an existential threat with uh, climate change. I mean, if you're if you're on the on the side of things where you believe that uh, first of all it's 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 human humankind driven, that's mm-hmm. number one. Uh, I I do believe the same. That's the reason why we we have a, a parallel series called uh, Net Zero Future, where we do address this uh, topics in more in more details and more from a scientific point of view. Right. But at the same time, the, and and you you forgive me for playing a little bit more the, the devil's advocate, but. Why do you think is is a platform like yours needed to to achieve this? Because society is complex, and you need to convince what is it eight billion people to do it. Yeah, it it is a super complex issue, and the the this is becoming more and more of a pressing issue because we are trailing behind on all the the, the goals that have been set by the UN in terms of sustainability goals. So action is needed quite quite quickly, and I think there is some sort of big awakening happening around sustainability with 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 people but it's not it's not coming fast enough and we are running out of time in one in a certain sense and we need to act more quickly so this is why the, the timing for some for a platform like ours we see it as you know we should have done this years ago basically but we we want to do it now because we we feel the time is now basically to act on this for us and interesting enough, the founding team of your firm is quite quite senior in this case. So, and they when they when they had the idea, I mean that that happened quite late in their career. Can, yeah. can you can you walk us through a little bit more about the the, the vision of, of of the founding team? How what's what's their perception of things? Uh, you know, given that obviously we are trying to solve a long term problem, but using short term means. What's their thinking all behind this? No, it's true. There, there are three founders of of uh, Green Worlder, Urban, Peter, and, and William, and who are perhaps uh, at a later stage in their careers. But the the team that we have within the company, we are people from all uh, ages and I would say also backgrounds. And I think that's also somehow representative of of you know it reflects the mission because everyone, regardless of what stage they're in or what age uh, they're they're in, they're having this kind of awakening when it comes to sustainability. And I think that's that's reflective in, in in our team. So yes, they have the background, but we're also seeing what we have in common is this kind of the, the purpose-driven meaning to what we do and why we're 
with the company. I would imagine this, yeah, the, the problem we're trying to solve here is the, yeah, that's, it's mostly going to impact young people, but, but it's a, it's a good thing that, you know, people from, from a more advanced generation actually do, do uh, care about this. And I think yeah. it's, it's regardless of our timeline, it's, it's, it's something that impacts all of us. So I do, I do get the rationale behind this, but actually well, moving back to the purpose of the platform. So it's a community you want to create and yeah. the community can be actually very diverse. We've got. We, we can have multiple reasons why we want to uh, combat climate change. The goal, I, I suppose, would be the same, but the rationale behind this could, could, could be very diverse. But just for the sake of, of making this conversation more, more digestible and simple to approach, from your point of view, what is the ideal candidate? What, what would be the, the, the top profile you would want to, to have for anyone joining this platform of yours? It's a, it's a good question. And we... We see primarily kind of two groups of people that will be joining our platform and we're, you know, we're already in talks with, with, with both of them. The first one is we call them a sustainability enthusiast. So these are people who are not necessarily activists, but people who are living a very sustainable life and a sustainable, in a sustainable way. And it's, it's impacting everything in the, in their day-to-day lives and they're very vocal about it. The, and this is a, this is a core group. It, it's growing quite steadily, but it's been around also for, for some years. And it, they're not defined really by age or, or, or gender or anything that you, you find them, them everywhere. The second group, which is the, the, the bigger one. And I, I mean, anecdotally, I probably fall into that group, um, my, myself, it's the, what we call sustainability curious. So we're having some sort of, you know, awaken and when it comes to sustainability we know that we we need to do something but it's it's very hard sometimes to to know what to do so you have this kind of uh, feeling that okay what do i do in my day-to-day life to really kind of help save the world in a way and that can be very very difficult because you know once you start looking into things you start googling you can often be hit by some sort of analysis paralysis right if you want to buy an electric car, you start Googling, and then you have a whole voice of people saying, oh, well, you can't buy an electric car because of the batteries and, and all this kind of stuff. But we want to be the, the platform where these two people, these two groups meet, where it's a, there's an educational element for people like me that I need to learn more about sustainability and also have some sort of practical guidance as to how to live my life more, more, more sustainable. So I think those are kind of the two big groups that we, are, that we will be having on the, on the platform. It sounds like, on the one hand, you have, I wouldn't call them the, the, the sustainability fundamentalists, but the, the, the ones that have got the strong convictions that, you know, they, yeah. they are, it's, it's, it sounds to me like a bit like, you know, vegan, the, the vegan yeah. lifestyle, because they are very vocal about this, but I'm not always, I mean, this is again, personal opinion, but I'm not always sure, you know, why they're doing this, if, it, if it's for, for animals or for, if it's just you know, for sustainability. Yeah, because I think the, 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 I mean, that conversation and that awakening is happening with or without Green Worlder. There's, there's kind of people understanding more and more, but we want to be there for them to join us, to catch them as they're having this awakening, basically. So, so to help kind of fuel, maybe she was a bad word in, in this uh, context, but maybe kind of help them on that journey towards living a more uh, sustainable life. The obvious question I have when listening to this is what is the risk for Greenworlder to host, you know, not, not just educational, uh, content but also you know what is the risk of you guys having a certain groups of people that are potentially trying to, to achieve the same thing in terms of sustainability but but they start having debates like unhealthy debates on how to uh, on how to achieve it 
let me give you an example. Energy consumption. We know that we've got people, I think that what is a group of activists called Stop Oils, or you know that, you know, those that spill tom- tomato sauce on paintings. And they've done that pretty much in, in, in all the major art galleries in the world and it was quite quite controversial and uh, and conspicuous, let's put it that way. I personally don't necessarily agree with their way of doing things unless, because they want us to, to immediately stop the consumption of oil or fossil fuel uh, sources because supposedly those molecules are bad for the environment. But at the same time, we, do, we don't have any alternative to it. We need to consume energy for the advancement of our society. I, I personally believe that nuclear energy is the, the, the cleanest source of energy that we can have to transition towards a fully sustainable world. But, but, but this is, again, subject to debate. So my question is, how would you mitigate this kind of risk of happening? Because I, I can happily educate you on, nu- on the benefits of, benefits of nuclear energy, but will anyone in the community agree with me? No, I, th- I mean, on the, I, personally, I would agree with you on the, on the nuclear uh, stance there. But I think it's important to at least have the discussion, right? Because I think a lot of it, it's happening in silos right now, and they do it in some sort of echo chamber. So, but it, it's, it's important to elevate the discussion that everyone takes takes part of it. So I think the, the, the extreme uh, fundamentalists, they, they, they do exist, but I, I do think that they are a relatively small part of the, the sustainability enthusiasts, if we kind of define that group. So there, there, there's a much bigger, broader conversation happening around the enthusiasts where they serve as, as type, you know, a type of role models trying to influence people to live a more sustainable life, you know, without throwing tomato soup on, a, I think it was a Rembrandt painting or something. I think it's a bit of a fringe group and you will always have fringe groups in whatever uh, groups in society, but I don't think they represent the, the majority of the, of the enthusiasts when it comes to sustainability. So going back to the two groups of, of for users, what are the means that you plan to deploy to attract those groups to your platform? What's the, what's the kind of marketing methods you want to use? How do you want to make noise? What's the, what's the plan in this case? One of the better ways to explain what our platform looks like is to compare it to what's out there already. So if you think of, if you think of LinkedIn, for instance, right, it's a very, it's, it's not a very feature rich type of social media platform, but they are, they have a very defined and, and kind of gate kept conversation around work or professionalism there. And we want to kind of be the same, but for a conversation around sustainability. So we are not, if you think of, of feature-rich type of social media platforms like TikTok or, or Snapchat, we're not going to be like them. We are more going to be like a LinkedIn for the a conversation around sustainability, if that makes sense. What sets us apart from, from LinkedIn in terms of, you know, if you do a comparison on, on the demographics, LinkedIn is only for, for people or let's call it people with, with higher education and who are trying to, you know, advance their careers. We think that this, or we know that this conversation around sustainability is, 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 is taking off now, it's growing. So it's going to involve more or less everyone in the next five to 10, 10 years. So we want to be able to capture that group going forward, basically. We will also have, there are certain kind of gamification aspects to the platform to build this, this engagement on the platform for, for our users. So yes, it's like LinkedIn in terms of the, the, the conversation. And we, we also have our own, let's call it sustainability team that will be provided curated content in-house to, to the platform as well. But we also want to make sustainability a bit more fun and let's call it engaging. So for instance, you will have these, yeah, you can earn points, for instance, that you can then kind of 
use for, for different buying vouchers with businesses and things like this. But we also have these, it's what we call a lifestyle calculator. So you can kind of, you can assess your own carbon footprint and uh, you will have ideas and tips on how to reduce it. And you, you might get rewarded for reducing it over a period of time. So there are all these kind of those aspects built into the platform as well. But, uh, but this is possible at this, at this very minute, you know, when, when the platform is still in its early stages. Mm-hmm. But at, at a certain point, I would imagine you start scaling the whole business and yeah. you know, the, the volume of information going through it. Yeah. And that, that was essentially, I mean, it was a long time ago, but when Facebook launched or Instagram and, and all these things, I mean, they, well, maybe Instagram is less, less of a concern here, but Facebook has been, has, has been at the center of, of lots of concerns on how it, it would influence people's minds and, and how you how you kind of shepherd them to, to vote to, towards voting for people. I think that Facebook yeah. played, played an important role in, in, in the Brexit vote, uh, I suppose to certainly also when, when Trump got elected yeah. and so forth. And there's been, there's been some political tailwind for, for this, but my understanding is that you guys, you don't want to do that because again, we, we are, we're not trying to, um, I mean, hopefully we're not trying to, to get people to have a biased view on, on what sustainability should be. And then at least certainly not a commercial, you know, it's not something that is commercially beneficial, but, but at the expense of, of the environment. How you, will you make sure that over time you keep control over the quality of the, the information that's coming in? Because you can have, I think that's, that's, that's been a key issue for Facebook. I think they, they, they've stopped or they never really had a, a, way, a way to really control the type of information that's published because it's, it's I mean, it goes in, into billions of, of posts and all that stuff so yeah it's it's nothing new that i'm asking here but if you've got such a prestigious mission to accomplish mm-hmm. then you want to make sure that the people that that, that use a platform at, at least you know they they consume something which, which stays objective and, and not biased in that sense how do you see this going forward it, it's, a, it's an interesting point and i mean facebook is they are still the, the the largest social media platform on the on the planet and they they are they hold the number one spot i think the what how we will be different from Facebook is because Facebook is somehow fundamentally flawed. That's easy for me to say here, but I mean, they are flawed in their, in their business model somehow because they, their whole business model around hyper-targeting forces the, the, the algorithms to kind of become some sort of echo chamber for whatever you're, you're saying. So the only purpose they, they have is to keep you on the platform, regardless of what you're doing. They just want you on the platform so they can sell ads basically. And we do that very differently. We don't do the hyper-targeting that Facebook does. Facebook, for instance, they, they track you when you're not on Facebook. So they can kind of, you know, have this digital footprint of you and know exactly everything about you. So they can, again, sell you ads. That's the only purpose. That's the only way they make, they make money. There is still a room for more, let's call it sustainable digital advertising, which is what we do. And we will be, or we are 100% transparent on how we use the user data and our, around our privacy. So there are certain things we, we do track, but we're completely open with it because, you know, we, we need to know what you're doing on the platform and things like this, but we don't use, for instance, if you're using our platform to send your, your, your partner or me a message, we don't go through that message and use keywords to kind of sell you targeted ads based on that. So this is a fundamental difference between us and that type of platforms, because we are avoiding this kind of echo chamber that is, that is, that is fueled by the, the, the algorithm. So we don't have that on the platform and it's, it's a, it's kind of a, a key selling point for, for us towards our users also. And it's part of our brand promise as well that, you know, we, we run a social media platform. We will also be selling advertisement, but we are not doing it in the traditional way that other platforms are. 
I know I'm getting a little bit off piece here, but we, we can touch upon it very briefly. But how would you make sure for your users to, or for you to understand what the users will have as, as expectations and in terms of content that they want to consume, mm-hmm. how will you make the link between what the expectations are of those users and businesses that want to be part of the platform so that they can be connected to yeah, the so, community? So a, a, lot of the, this, a lot of these issues that you address will be kind of solved by what types of businesses we allow on the platform. Because on most, if not all the other social media platforms, you, you can, they more or less allow anyone, any type of business to be on the platform, unless you're, you know, selling drugs or, or things like that. But we have set a quite a high bar or threshold for companies to join. So we want any type of, you know, it could be a B2B company or a B2C company who wants to engage in a authentic a conversation around their CSR or their sustainability initiatives. And we want them to be fully transparent on what kind of certifications they have. And we're working on a model where they need to display their ESG score, which is becoming more and more relevant in terms of investments and, and another, it's another topic of discussion, but we want, we only want, we're only going to allow companies on the platform that have, that have a, a genuine and authentic purpose for sustainability. So we, for instance, we've said that startups that have a clear purpose, I was talking to, to one of them the other week, actually, I think they're from the Netherlands. They do toilet paper out of bamboo, (laughs) super, super interesting one, but these kind of super clear mission driven startups will be, you will see a lot of them on the platform, but also the, 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 the bigger ones who are actively trying to become more sustainable in their ways, because a lot of the emissions obviously are from, from bigger companies, but they will be. By being on the platform, they also allow themselves to be a bit scrutinized by the user base that we that we have. So it will require more from the companies that are on our platform to engage in that conversation around sustainability and what they what they are doing and what they can do to reach their, their own targets and their own initiatives. Would you say that Greenwilder will be, or is it the plan that Greenwilder is a form of platform for companies joining the scheme to better fine-tune their sustainability policy because obviously the offering of a company is, is evolving over time because the customer base expectations are changing as well. There's a goal for Greenworld to also not just allow them to sell them, but also like to give them an opportunity to engage with their sustainability community and, and fine tune the, the, the offering or the proposition as you, as you move along. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of the, the the companies they they simply have to change uh, their ways because it's being demanded by the the consumers. Again, there is this awakening happening, and there's a lot of power, obviously, with with consumers, and they can they 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 have the ability to drive the 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 change, not only in terms of what products and services they they choose to buy, but I've been in conversation with with many <clears throat> larger companies who who might be a B two B company, but they need to more profile themselves and be authentic in, in their in their sustainability initiatives because it's also a factor in attracting talent. When I started working, this was not a, a consideration at all for me, but people who are starting out their careers now, they they are not only looking for a job and to make money, but they're looking for, for companies that align with their own values and, and purpose. So I think this 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 change is happening whether they they like it like it or not. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, co- companies have to offer much more than, than a career path. I mean, the younger generations, I suppose, including myself, we don't tend to stick with the comp- with the same company for, for many decades now. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's, this is no longer something which is happening. And then, as you say, the perks will be for 
prospective employers to, to demonstrate that, that they, they not, not only care about their employees, but also the surrounding community and the environment. So yep. uh, yeah, I, I can be agreed. I, I, do, I do see how Green World of Woolworth can potentially play a role in then for, for them to fine tune this. Key question for me now is also to understand. So yeah, you've got the business running, but for the business to continue running and make profits, you need to make money. So what's the plan? Yeah, so the, so the business model is still, we we are charging the companies to to be on the platform. And like I said, we will have this this advertising engine also, but run in a more sustainable way. So the, the, our business model is not fundamentally different in that sense, but we do it, we operate it differently. We are also looking into ways of, of perhaps having some some more premium features that the end users would have to to pay for because, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And everybody kind of knows that if you're getting something for free, you probably are the product on the traditional social media platform. And we want to offer the alternative that actually, well, if you're paying for these services, you're not going to be the product anymore. So we do think that there, there's a there's an opportunity to monetize on the platform from the end users also a bit further down the line. But but like you say, I mean, right now we are a startup and we, we closed a funding round, I think it was Q4 last year for 1 million. And we are, we are continuously, we open up a new round right away, basically, because as a startup, you always, always need more, more money because you want to do more things. So we've gotten some fur- further investments already in 2023, and we'll probably continue to do so for the rest of the year. And we're aiming to do like a big series A round at the end of this year or early next year, depending on how we're performing. The big plans to hire then, essentially. Yes. We are ramping up the team quite quite a lot over the over this year, and it's also interesting. It comes back to the us being because um, I've I've been part of a fundraising before in 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 other startups, and when you are a purpose driven company like we are, it's a it's it's a very different type of conversation because people invest for. I mean, obviously, you need to have all the the, the usual stuff in place in terms of you know projections, revenue, cash flow, and all this that stuff. But they're doing it for for other reasons. So it's the the discussion with the investors is framed very differently because the, you feel they're more part of it in a in a way, and they're doing it for 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 the right reasons that they want to make this world a better place. So it might sound pretentious, but it, it's it's a very when you're in the room with, and having this discussion, it's a very different dynamic, and you can certainly feel that there's a there's a big change uh, going on here. Those conversations you're having with investors, are they mainly private investors? Are they VCs? What's the, what's the kind of crowds that will be part of the cap table at Greenwelder? So we don't have the VCs yet. They will come in probably during the Series A uh, round. Right now we have, we have a few family offices and some angel investors in the company. And of course, the, the, the founders also. And do you plan on, so the headquarters are based in Luxembourg, but do you yep. plan on exp- expanding further out to other countries? We will. I think we will always be a Luxembourg country. This is where we, I mean, the, the founders uh, live here. Uh, I live here. But we will, of course, expand into to other European markets already later part of this year, probably, and then continue throughout Europe, at least for the coming one or two years. But the headquarters, we will always be, our kind of identity will always be based here. Well, and that brings me to a very natural question then, because if uh, everyone's got their identity based in, uh, or they look, their, their main home space in Luxembourg, you moved to Luxembourg a while back, but you yep. still, I mean, do you still consider yourself as, as an expat? It's oh, a good question. I mean, my kids are, they, they've gone through kind of the Luxembourg school system and they are integrated. I, I somehow maybe fall in between in a way. 
So, well, yeah, you, but you've seen other countries before, so we'd, we'd, like, have, to, we'd, we'd like to ask a question for people that, um, I mean, that's a very, very open question, so there's, there's no wrong answer. But the audience likes to know if you, you know, if you had a chance to change anything in Luxembourg, what would you change? So one would be more the, the from, from a startup perspective, the thing that, and I know that there's a lot of lobbying going around, going on around this, but it's the, the ability to provide your employees with stock options, basically, when you're running a startup. That's extremely complex, and it's being it punishes the the employees quite heavily in terms of the taxation. That's something that needs to change because as a startup, it's hard to compete on salary, and we want to attract the best talent to to our company and to Luxembourg. But this is currently a big of a, a bit of a uh, an issue for, I would say, all the startups in in Luxembourg. But I know that there are initiatives around this, but this hopefully will change uh, quite quite soon. Well, Daniel, on that happy note, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today and um, discuss the, the role and, and the mission of uh, Greenwelder. But for sure, it sounds like you know, there's many other things and plans in the pipeline that we can discuss uh, further down the line. So we look, definitely look forward to having you back on the show very soon. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Luxembourg's leading business podcast. If you're listening to our show on Apple Podcasts, please rate our program using the five-star scale and leave us a review. Or if you're tuning into Spotify, it takes just a few seconds to give us a rating on the overview page of our show. You can also email us with your feedback or suggestions at info at luxunplugged.com. Mm-hmm.